If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Happy Friday, everyone, and it's just me again today. We, um, Annette is on her way home, thank goodness, from Kansas. Her brother had the sex drupal. He's supposed to only have a four bypass, four-way bypass, but he had they had to do all six, and he is on the road to recovery. So thank you for that. Continue to pray for him, um, for his recovery. So we appreciate your prayers thus far. We also are, you know, broadcasting. We appreciate Grangeville Christian Church for allowing us to broadcast here from their facility. We appreciate their generosity. We want to give you an update. Um, on September 6th, we aired a show titled Death is Knocking at Your Door. And our guests at that day was Ray and Ellen. And Ellen is the one that who, who had cancer. And it was basically their love story, how they met 30 years later and got married. Um, Ellen was given four months to live. I think it was last July. She died last Saturday morning. And so she traded that old cancer-ridden body for a perfectly healthy one. And last Saturday morning at like 6.50. So that was the 9th of September that she died. Excuse me, the 9th of November that she died. And she was our, on our show again, September 6th of 2019. So if you want to go back, that'd be kind of neat to go back and listen to their love story if you have not heard it. So that was, um, we... We do cover your prayers for Ray. Obviously, he's having a little rough time with Ellen gone, but um, she was she went to home to be with the Lord, and it was an awesome experience. So, all right, America and and the world, we have numbers. Isn't that great? All right, so this is not going to be surprising. Who is number one? We don't even really should we just skip that part? But oh, okay. So Richardson, Texas, absolutely, you're number one on live. And Redmond, Washington, you're number two on live. Hanging in there at number three is Phoenix, Arizona. And this is live numbers. So tying for fifth is, and I'm sorry if I, if I butcher this name because I don't like doing that, but it's Monrovis, California. And they're tied with Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, down south, down towards where, where I was raised. So that's our live numbers. Texas, again, you're, you're consistently number one. Redmond, Washington, you're number two this year, this, excuse me, this month. And um, Phoenix, you're hanging in there for three. Oh, you know what? It just dawned on me. I did not mention a number four. Let me look at my numbers. Sorry. No, oh, that's right. Phoenix and, um, excuse me, Oklahoma City and Monova, you were tied in um, for fourth place. So that was fourth place. Let me Fix my note right there. All right. So on demand. Oh, my goodness. Guess who's on demand number one? The same as live number one is Richardson, Texas, Mountain View, California. You moved from sixth place to second place in, in this last month. And welcome back, Corey Don, Iowa. You came back. We hadn't heard from you since April. And you are back. And you are number three. So welcome back, Corey Don. Iowa. Let me turn my page. Newburyport, Massachusetts. You're hanging in there at number four. And internationally, China, 
um, in Langsau, China, you moved from second to first. In Moscow, the Russian Federation, you dropped to second by 22 listeners. So you were first. You and China switched last month. Dublin used to be our number one. You remain at third place. And in Frankfurt, Am, Maine, Germany, you moved from fifth to fourth. New listeners, I had to mention this one. And again, I'm sorry, I apologize, but it's out of Mexico. You rate number five, and it is, I'm going to spell it, T-L-A-L-N-E-P-A-N-T-I-A. So now I'm going to butcher it, Talanapatia, Mexico. You are our new listeners, and you are number five. So... Keep listening. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. We do, we do, we do. That helps us because sometimes we get a little discouraged like anybody else in the world. But thank you for hanging in there with us, all of you listeners. We appreciate it. Um, So we're going to go right into our show right now. We want to welcome William, this guy sitting right next to me, if you are on Facebook. And um, William, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you. Kind of just share with our listeners something about your family of origin. Kind of start with that and then we'll we'll move upward. Well, we'll give a shout out to Texas because that's where I was raised. Where in Texas? A small town called Newcastle. We're south of Wichita Falls, about 80 miles from the Oklahoma border, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So did you ever go fishing on Texo? Tex, let me see, what's it called? Texocomp? Tex, the, that big lake. Texarkana? Yes, that, that. No, that was way east. Oh, okay. I, I know where it's at, but I was more north central. Okay, okay. So how big was the town? Oh, about 500 people. Oh, that is little. Real small. Um, people like to say a one horse town, but yeah. there's probably just as many horses as there was people. <laughs> it was nice growing up there. Uh, my mom and dad, my uh, we moved there because our family bought a small little restaurant, a cafe. Oh. They called it Granny's Place. We moved there and uh, the family operated and ran that for, for quite a few years up into me getting into close into high school. And then they sold that off. But mm. So does was, that mean you moved? Nope, nope. I stayed there all the way through high school. Good. I grew up there, and um, oh, it was a good town, a good community. Uh, shout out to everybody that's listening down there because uh, I've been passing the word. God's been doing some amazing stuff there. My uh, cousin's a lead pastor down there at one of the churches. So if you stop in there, stop into um, Newcastle, stop into Christian Hope there, and stop into the church and say hi. Oh, all um, right. Yeah. All right. So, what? Where did you go after you graduated? So I guess to rewind a little bit, when I, um, I came to know the Lord when I was about 13, 14 okay. years old. And uh, just to kind of back up to tell you what happened after high school is I actually helped out at the church. My first job in the church there was actually going down and turning on the heater before Sunday morning. That's important. Yeah, very important to have the heat on so people would be warm. And um, it just went from there. I got really heavily involved with the, the youth as much as I could and become friends with the new youth pastor that moved to town. Well, my senior year came up to be a decision to make. Um, I had the choice to go with him to another town, to another church, or I was had the choice to go to the military. My dad was in the military. My grandpa was in the military. And I did. I went to the military for a brief time. And then I what, came. What branch? I was in the Army. Okay. And then I came back to Newcastle after that. And then I realized to me, myself, that I was struggling with, uh, with my relationship with the Lord at that time. So I kind of just did something that I like to call. I grabbed my backpack, my Bible, some beanie weenies, and some water, and I took off across the United States. Whoa. 
Yeah, I made some pretty cool journeys. I went Florida, New York, New Jersey, uh, stayed with some, uh, uh, my biological father who I ended up meeting uh, when I was 17, but I've never really got to know them. So I went to New Jersey, lived there for a while, Florida. Well, wait a minute. I can't, as a, as a mental health provider, I have, I have to touch on that one. Okay. <laughs> so you never, you didn't ever meet your father until you were 17. Right. I was 17. He, he flew me up to New Jersey for Christmas break. And then I got to meet him and his family and my aunts and my uncles. Never met any of them. I was actually born in New Jersey. I just kind of don't say that much. Not that I, I was just raised in Texas. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember anything about New Jersey until the time that I went back to visit. So that kind of rekindled the uh, relationship. So did you have any, um, any type of connection with him from age from birth to 17 never even knew him i've never met him so when i when i hopped off the plane he had actually a sign you know with my name on it Mm -hmm. so i'd know who to go to you know when i flew in because uh i think it's jfk the -hmm. big airport there it's huge you know coming from a small town the airport was bigger than the town i came exactly so so he had a sign there and that's that's was was my first meeting with him wow and so uh, what's the first thing you said to your dad Oh, well, hi, love you. I'm William and I'm actually a junior. That's something else that a lot of people don't know. I don't go around sharing that because um, I don't know. I just, so my name, I'm actually a junior. So on the sign, it said JR, you know, uh-huh. William Jr. You know, that's how I knew. So we got to meet and the first thing we did is we went back and um, I just got to meet all those and I'm Italian. So getting to oh, meet really? the Italian family and their heritage and, and the way that they uh, celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. is, is neat. And, you know, they have a lot of pasta and, mm-hmm. you know, so I got to meet the family there and I don't remember very many of their names. Cause even when I went back, I stayed there just for a brief time when I was doing that traveling. I was telling you, I actually got back to New Jersey and I didn't tell him I was coming. So one of the God stories here is that I went to Tyler, Texas. There's a whole lot of little God stories and some little stories in there. But when I took off from town, from Newcastle, I started walking west and there was actually a van that was heading east and they stopped and picked me up. They says, Hey, where are you going? I said, I don't know where you're going. They said, well, we're heading to Tyler, Texas. I said, well, that sounds good to me. Tyler, Texas it is, which is happens to be the rose capital of the world. So anybody in Tyler, Texas, shout out to that. I had no idea that they're rose capital of the world ended up there, uh, stayed at a salvation army, you know, then I went to Florida from there. Stayed in Florida for a little while. Actually got hooked up with some mail carriers that brought me all the way back to Texas. And I took off again, made it up to New Jersey, New York, worked in, uh, when I made it to New Jersey, it was wintertime, guys. I mean, this was snow up to my ankles. I had every bit of clothing I had on, Mm -hmm. I had on me. I was carrying this uh, little bag and that's all I had. And I made it into this pizzeria. I got to meet the manager. He let me sleep in the boiler room. and fed me some pizza until I could figure out how to get a hold of my father. And then I ended up staying in his basement while I stayed there. And I was only up there for a few months until I saved up money. I actually worked at a Catholic cemetery um, and made enough money. uh, In the winter? Yeah. And I stayed in that next summer. I took off and went across the country, ended up in Washington, in Bellingham, Washington, where I always wanted to go to Alaska, so I stayed there and worked, made some money to hop on a ferry to head up to Alaska. So that's just kind of a brief, Whoa. you know, the 10-second version of how what kind of got me up to Alaska. And you hitchhiked basically this whole time. 
yes, hitchhike, Greyhound bus if I made some money, because sometimes I'd go in and buy a bus ticket mm-hmm. to skip a few states right. just to be able to sit down and be on mm-hmm. a bus. But I've stayed behind stores, under bridges, you know, wherever, whatever was convenient at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever feel threatened or anything? No, God's always had my back as I've always never really feared man because I've always had a relationship with God, even though I struggled and we'll talk more about that. I really um, knew God had me. And there was a couple of times in the, the bigger metropolitan areas that mm-hmm. I could see that there was a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, you slept with everything that you had underneath you yeah. uh, at the Salvation Armies because mm-hmm. they just give you this little pallet. You put everything underneath it and that's, you sleep on top of that. Mm-hmm. My mom always worried because oh, I, I would bet. call her. That was payphone days, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd call her collect from a payphone. I'd be like, hey, you'll never believe where I'm at. you know. <laughs> and then when I hit Alaska, I didn't know nothing about Southeast Alaska. And I hit Alaska. I get on the ferry boat and uh, everybody says, hey, where are you going? I said, well, I'll just go to the first town in Alaska. And then I will just hitchhike my way just like I ever have. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, well, there's islands, oh. Southeast Alaska. Whoever learns about the islands. Mm-hmm. So the first town I hit was Ketchikan. And I couldn't pronounce it at that time. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm in some town in Alaska. My mom's like, what? Alaska? <laughs> How do you stay in warm? You know, and she just assumed that it was always winter up there. But anyway, I worked my way up there. And then 2001, I met who is now my wife, Teresa. She was home for Christmas vacation and I met her. So I was staying on an island by myself in between fishing, commercial fishing. I mm-hmm. stayed on this island, met my wife, um, fell in love, never really dated before that. Uh, she flew back down to Oklahoma City to where she was going to college. And my old boat captain bought me a ticket and I flew down right after her. Wow. And she was actually dating a pastor's son when I met her. Oh. And uh, they were they were in the middle of the relationship, didn't know which way it was mm-hmm. going. So mm-hmm. she came to Texas with me, and six months later, uh, we I proposed. A year and a half later, we were married mm-hmm. in December two thousand three. Wow, mm-hmm. been together ever since. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit. So of So she's the, from Alaska. How did she go to college in Oklahoma? Uh, the church. She got a scholarship to go down to Mid America Bible College. Oh, okay. So that's where she went because she's she's been a believer uh, and known the Lord her whole life. She's always had a really good relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Right from right by Texas, she's there. Yep. yep and you yep. went all over the world, all over the United States. Yeah, to me, that's what I tell people all the time. You know, when people, you know, have friends ask about dating advice or anything uh-huh. like that, it's hard for me to give anybody advice because I've only done it once. <laughs> you know, so I just figure when God puts somebody in your life and it's the right person, mm-hmm. you'll know it. Yep. That's the only thing I could tell you about that. But well, you could tell them travel across the United States mm-hmm. and then meet that person. <laughs> oh yes. Anyway, praise so the did, Lord. So did you guys move back to Texas or did you we did. So when she was in Oklahoma, we went down to Texas and um unfortunately we thought we had things under control. This is another one of those stories that, you know, we praise the Lord. But uh we thought that we had it under control and we were living together, but you know. It wasn't the right thing to do, but that's what the situation called for at the time. And we found everything was under control. I did ask her to marry me and we went back up to Alaska to get married. Mm. So we were in Texas for 2002 and 2003. And then we went back up to Alaska and there's even more um, stories from there. When we went to Alaska, get married, we ended up staying because we ended up being kind of like foster parents to her, her niece. Mm. So we stayed up in Alaska from 2003 to our daughter, Destiny, was born in 2005 in Ketchikan. Mm-hmm. And then in 2006, we moved to Idaho. Oh, wow. Yeah, so 
praise the Lord. But there's a lot of stories of how we came down to Idaho and why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. So why did you come down to Idaho? Well, there's a, a couple of reasons. The main reason is my wife wanted to live down here. Uh, we didn't have, we had, she had a little bit of family in Idaho, but we didn't oh, know okay. anybody. We came to Idaho because when Destiny was born, she had something, she got diagnosed with something called Beckwith-Wittemans, which if I pronounce that wrong, sorry for you guys out there that know medical stuff a lot better than I do, but it's uh, something where one half of her body is a little larger than the other. And what that does, it puts her at a higher risk to grow something called Wilms tumors. And they mm. grow on kidneys and on the liver. And so every three months of her life, all the way up until she was nine or so, she would have to go down to Misty's Clinic there in Boise. And there's mm. the Children's Hospital of Seattle. And then there's a Misty's Clinic in Boise. Both of them highly recommended. And Boise Boise was a place that we really, we kind of picked Idaho. So okay. that's kind of how we moved down to so Idaho. She, um, so how is she now? She's good. The numbers go way into her favor after a certain age. They give you a list of things to watch for, but she's healthy. She loves the Lord. She's very active here mm-hmm. at church. You see her mm-hmm. every every day. Um, so she's doing really well. I'm really blessed. I'm really proud of her. So did she ever have to have surgery to remove the tumors? Nope. She never got, she never grew any tumors. We had a couple of scares and we go back and it ended up with kind of a, like a little home joke now, but um, they saw, thought they saw something. We'd drive all the way back down to Boise and ended up being gas. <laughs> so <laughs> thank the Lord, huh? Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for Glory gas. To God that it was gas. Yep. Whoa. So, yep. So those are just a couple of times that happened. Okay. So you said there were some stories in your teen years. Is that something that you would like to share when we come back from break? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so we can dive give, into give that. Them a, but... Give them a teaser right now. Well, I would go around and look into churches to see where I wanted to go, but um, all I could see was old hard wooden pews and oh. think, man, this don't look like the place to be, you know, mm-hmm. but they, God praise the Lord, give it to him that through sports, I was able to find someone that really mentored me and led me to the Lord. Okay. Well, we'll come back from break and talk about that. Yep. Thank you. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, 
parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. All right, we are back. We are back with William. He is a former sheriff deputy mm-hmm. who um, we're going to get into that pretty pretty soon that yeah. um, actually went to prison. So you said you as a young, as a teenager, you chose a church by what? By the, well, I was looking at see how it looked through the window. Okay. But we'll give the backstory of that. We had a coach and his name is Bobby Bates. Um, he was our basketball coach. And back then they had something called FCA, mm-hmm. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Mm-hmm. And they would hold it inside the auditorium or inside the part of the gymnasium there in the mm-hmm. front. And every day we would, uh, every time we would meet up once a week there, we'd do some mm-hmm. sort of games. And he would always invite me. And I'd, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, and I would just leave or work out. Uh, sports is a big thing in Texas, if you yes, guys don't is. know. So, so anyway, I was at the gym every day working out. And finally, one time I said, sure, I'll stay. And we would do all sorts of things, games, obstacle courses. So it made it really fun. And that's the first reason why I started going. But then as he started sharing scripture, you know, and then I started getting into the word a little bit, started to build a relationship with God. And then at the same time, God put somebody else in my life named Jason. He was a new youth pastor that moved to town. And from then on, I was just starting to uh, spend a lot of time at the church so much mm-hmm. that I even stayed down at the parsonage with him. And oh, that's okay. that's how I built my relationship mm-hmm. with God. And it just kind of grew from there and festered up. And of course, um, ways of the world got to me. When I tell my testimony, I speak, I usually call it a roundabout because nobody likes roundabouts. Mm-hmm. And there's a few times that I've took the wrong exit yep. in the roundabout, you know, so there's different stories. And when you look back, it's easy to see how God had his hands mm-hmm. on you through each episode right. inside your life. So it it's is. just something to look back. But when you're going through it, you're like, man, what was I thinking? Exactly. God is doing this right here in front of me and I'm not even paying attention. Right. Same way in the Old Testament, you know, they the seas were getting split open and they still were questioning what, exactly. what God was doing, you know. So so it's easy to go back mm-hmm. and say, Hey, what were you thinking? You know. So you were so you got married. When did you want when did you think about being in law enforcement? Okay, so I never even thought about being in law enforcement until years later when we were living in Idaho. I ended up getting injured on a job. And I had to have my ankle rebuilt a, co- a couple oh. times. And anyway, getting some surgery. And as I was rehabbing, I went back to college and I was going to college down in Boise. And while I was going through this, I had the only job that I could really get once they started releasing me was something to sit down, mm-hmm. more of a sit down. So I got a job at the Boise Town Square Mall mm-hmm. and I was running the CCTV system. And I ended up being involved in some pretty big cases with the, the Boise Police Department. They would actually come in and, um, surveillance people they have an organized crime unit that actually does for retail stuff oh really yes and uh, anyway there's some pretty big families not to get into all that and i got to work in with the the boise pd and i never even thought about law enforcement until that started happening Mm -hmm. 
And then at that point, I applied for a county. And then when I applied for that county, 75 people showed up for that position. So I didn't think I had to change. That's another God, you know, and I ended up getting hired. Wow. And I worked at that county. And that's so that was in, in what position? I was a jailer. I worked okay. in, well, I was a detention deputy is what okay. they call that. Yep. And as I was working in as the detention deputy, we got really involved in, uh, I got involved with the gang unit. We helped develop and start a, a gang task force, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call it that, but it's more of a documenting the different gangs and activities. Mm-hmm. So I really started to understand. And that's, that's kind of the direction I took off into that mm-hmm. area. And I was there until 2012. We'll fast forward a little bit. To 2012, my mom ended up getting ill. She um, she went into septic shock. Oh, wow. And so I went down to Texas and had to make the decision to mm. remove my mom off life support. Mm. And she passed away. And one of the things is my mom's relationship with the Lord was off and on. And I would always share scripture with her. But when I was down there, I'd always just ask her and we woke her up and I explained to her and she wanted to try to be took off life support because there was mm-hmm. only one or two options. And, and we did that. And my, my dad that raised me, he passed away. I guess I didn't tell the mm-hmm. listeners this. Mm-hmm. He passed away in 2001, the year oh, I met wow. my, my wife. So my wife mm-hmm. never met Your the dad. My dad that raised mm-hmm. me that I called dad. Mm-hmm. So my mom passed away in 2012. I came back to Idaho and kind of had an unsettling feeling. The ways of the world was getting to me. And, and I really looked at moving to another County due to, money because the amount of money that they would pay me and the area for hunting because I'm really mm-hmm. big in outdoors. And I took a job without seeking, seeking the Lord. Okay. It's one of those ones I didn't, Lord, what do you have for me? Right. You know, and I always tell people when I'm talking is if God would tell me stuff on a sticky note, leave it on my desk, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. And so like, if he would have told me that I was going to go to prison for two years for something I didn't do, then I would have been prepared for that. Mm-hmm. But a couple years mm-hmm. into working at this new county, uh, things well after the first year, I was considered that I was rocking the boat, swimming upstream because there was all sorts of things that were going on there that I felt that I knew that wasn't correct. So after the first year, within the law enforcement in that county, yes, in okay. that county, okay. mm-hmm. and then so I felt I felt like that I was just an outcast, and and so what I did is I finally kind of went into what they were doing. They're very, very heavily Mormon population. Mm-hmm. And so once you um, come out as that you're non-Mormon and that you're a believer and a Christian, mm-hmm. you you kind of get a really cold shoulder. And if you haven't experienced that, it's mm-hmm. something that I don't wish on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is there. There's a lot to talk about this commu- about this going on there. There's a church there, Soda Springs Baptist Church, where a really good friend of mine is the lead pastor. Name is David. He's very big part of this uh, the story in my life. He's uh, been sharing the word with me. A great mentor of mine. Um, I love that guy, and I'm so praise the Lord that God put him in my life at that right moment, at that right time. So as I was there at that county, there was a female inmate that was housed, a state IDOC inmate that was housed in that facility, and that inmate came came up with the allegations that her and I was having an affair. Okay. And she actually came out and said that I was going to leave my wife for her. Okay. So one day on duty, another inmate told me that this person was making up these stories while I was gone. So I went there and I addressed it just like any law enforcement officer would. And I told her that we don't need to be making up lies like that, mm-hmm. that, that that's not right. And when I did that, I did that in front of the whole pod of other inmates 
And she, after I said that 11 days, it was 11 or 12 days, guys, after that, that she came up with allegations that this was happening. Uh, it got sent down to the district attorney's office down and down in Boise because uh, it was law enforcement. Mm -hmm. They look into it for something like eight months eight and, months. and they came back and no longer wanted to follow through with it. And then it got passed to another attorney that didn't want to follow through with it and ended up on the desk of the prosecutor that I worked for or with mm -hmm. the last two years. And he did go with it. They did. They Why do you think he went with it? Everybody else didn't. Why? <laughs> I don't know if it was, you know, there I don't put any blame or any, um, any regret. I don't know what was going on there for him to want to move forward with it. Um, I know that standing out in the in the facility and standing up for what I felt was right mm -hmm. may have had to do something with it, but, yeah. but that's, you know, between, um, him and the Lord. And, and once he did go with it, he, uh, he started to move forward with the case. They came out and pastor David, a really good friend of mine, um, was there throughout this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they came out and offered me all sorts of deals. I could tell you, they offered me, um, first they started off with like seven years, and then, of course, we said no. Then they worked their way all the way up to two weeks before the trial. They offered, if I would just admit, that they would give me four years of parole and give me a, an assault charge, a felony assault charge, and said that I could go home and go on my way if I would just admit to, to this crime. I says, and I'm sitting right there in front of David and him and I, I can remember that in the hallway when they came out and they said, this is it. When we shut the door, when we leave here, this is the last time I called my wife. Uh, she works in the school and she took a second, took a call for me. And I told her what was going on. And she says, you know, we trust the Lord. We need to move forward no matter what happens. And it was really hard at that moment. I was just thinking about family, but mm -hmm. I did. I stayed with the truth. I refused the offer. I was seeking help from David and he was sitting there and he said the same thing that it's not good to lie, but in the circumstances, you can understand why I was even thinking about it. Right. I did not. So we ended up going to trial. The trial lasted for about eight days. I had a really good attorney out of Idaho Falls. Um, he was a believer. I talked to him about that before we even got moving into the trial. I uh, had a really good was case. Was it important that you had a believer? Yes. I because my foundation is about, you know, God, you know, we give it, we do this for the glory of God. And every day is, we're just thankful for the life that he gives us and we're allowed to be a part of his day. And so it was important for me for someone to understand. And so after talking to a few, he seemed like a good fit. He was actually one of the top five trial lawyers in Idaho. He's never lost a case. Ooh. So he was good. Oh. So kudos to him, <laughs> David, if he's watching, he knows who I'm talking about. And this guy had a really good case brought up. And like I told you before, no names. I don't bring right. up. There's nothing that I'm, I'm upset about or anything like that, but he won the trial. It was like watching it on a show on one of those law and order shows. Uh -huh. He, he won the trial. And when the jury went out to deliberate and then they come back and they came back with a, uh, guilty and they, they said that I was guilty of one count of sexual contact with an inmate and just felony destruction of evidence. So after that came out, then it was a month later that my sentencing come. Once again, I went down and had, and they says, well, if you admit, we'll give you just parole. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said he won, but you 
they found you guilty. They did. They found me guilty. So when I say he won, he gave enough evidence and the lack of evidence that the county had to be able to put on the burden of proof was not there. So he won. And David, my friend of mine, he even was going to, he had people tell him because as in clergy visits Mm -hmm. that they knew that I was being set up, but we decided not to put him on the stand and Praise the Lord that we didn't. Now that I'm looking on this side, I'm glad we decided not to because we had a lot of evidence that this man was willing to sacrifice his clergy visits and his clergy rights to that facility mm-hmm. to be able to testify on my behalf in court. And, you know, we decided not to put him in that situation. So he did not do that. We, we did get the guilty verdict, did come in. And when so, you heard that, mm-hmm. what did you think? Well, it was, it was really hard. You're standing up and you hear not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, because they tried to convict me of five different times. So I also, I guess, rewind a little bit. Uh, We also hired a private investigator. He was really good at his job. We could disprove all the other ones because of a, the measurements of the area that she said stuff happened in didn't work out or B, I was still on camera. Okay. So the one place that I was off camera, mm-hmm. I can't dispute that. Only my hand is on the camera. I'm holding the door jar. I'm off camera for five minutes and three seconds. Uh. And she also claims that a lot of stuff happened in the five minutes, three seconds that would be impossible for me to be back in full uniform. So right. like I said, I don't know. I don't want to put in anything there, but um, the jury, the people that were sitting on the jury grew up with the prosecutor. Just let you know, I could not get it okay. in a different county. They okay. attend, a lot of them attend the same ward okay. as him, but I don't know if that all had anything to weigh with it or anything to do mm-hmm. with the decision. But when they did come back, and like you said, I just told myself, I said, uh, I said, God, it's in your hands, you know, and they came back with a guilty plea or the verdict, sorry. Then they offered me another plea to admit to not send me to prison. So the only recommendation they had is because I would not admit is to send me to prison for two years fixed and three years indeterminate. And that's how they do their uh, sentencing here in Idaho. Okay. So wait a minute. Let's go back to obviously your wife and was, was your child there in the court when they came back with the verdict? No, our child was not. Okay. Was Teresa there? My wife was. We decided that because of the, my child, I've, she knows every bit about the story. She, well, all we do is lift out any graphic any right. details so mm-hmm. we didn't see at that time for her to be inside right. the courtroom during okay. the stuff so, good call okay mm-hmm. so yeah. how did how did obviously Teresa handle the well she stayed strong in front of me but once mm-hmm. she left I got yeah. told how she just broke down and how could it be and of course she questioned God you know yeah how could this be you know and she knew the truth uh, there was things that were said on the stand that only my wife would know if somebody was telling the truth or not. So that was just an, another confirmation for her. But even though she didn't did it, she, she knew what was going on. She mm-hmm. didn't need that confirmation. Right. But uh, so it was really hard on her and her testimony about going through this is something I, yeah. short of amazing. Just right. to tell you her faith in God, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to see her husband, you know, once serving this, the state mm-hmm. and ended up being an inmate of the right. state is a story in itself, mm-hmm. you know, so God bless her. And I thank God every day for putting a woman in that so. in my life. I bet so. so, yeah, so we went on. So as soon as they came back and they told me that I was going to go to prison, they sent me down to prison. 
And I was put in a room by myself because of my ties to law enforcement. Right. So you were you in Boise or where I you? was in okay. Boise. I was put in a room, a small little room. They thought either I was somebody really, really, really mean or something because they I got a special escort in there. I actually got drove right down to the prison, put in this little special room, and there I sat for almost fifty days. Oh my goodness. Because they didn't know what they were gonna do. Everybody asks you, why don't you appeal? Why didn't you appeal? Mm -hmm. But I was in a room for too long past the being able to file for the appeal. Um, So you only have so many days after you get sent to prison to do an appeal. And I was in this room past the time. And I didn't know nothing about this anyway, uh, how to file for any of that. And another thing is I only had five years. And now that I've spent time, people don't get any what they call action on their case till after that. So I knew God had a plan. Yeah. And here I was in this room by myself, couldn't call my wife, couldn't call anybody. You're only allowed to use the phone once a week for 30 oh, wow. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I sit in here and this is just, this is how God just works. I'm sitting in this room, just pacing back and forth. Uh, it took them about three days to get me a Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I got a Bible, I just started reading daily mm-hmm. and I was praying daily. I was just hit my knees. I was praying. I told, I was telling God, I says, God, I see in your word where you shook prison walls. You've opened doors, you right. break shackles. I said, just open this door. And I'm telling God, just open this door. Then I realized one day that I'm praying all wrong. I'm sitting here thanking God for being a part of my day uh, when it's not even my day. It's his day. Mm. So once I started praying, God, what can I do to serve, better serve you in the situation that I'm in? Once I started praying like that and realizing that God had a plan, doors started opening and literally doors were opening. I had no idea what they had for me. Um, they were going to send me over to the max unit, not as a max inmate, but oh. there's a worker crew there <laughs> okay. and it would be in a safe spot for me okay. because you don't have access to the other population. Okay. You're just part of a, like a worker unit that okay. does the janitorial stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what they were going to do with me. And then all of a sudden, so I called my wife that night and I got mm-hmm. to know the staff and the staff started letting me have the phone a little bit more, a little mm-hmm. bit more, a little bit more. And then, um, so after I got to use the phone, I got off the phone with my wife and she says, I told her what's going to happen with me. She was getting ready to move closer to the Boise because right. we were uh, a ways out from there. She was going to move closer to Boise to visit me. As soon as I hung up the phone, I turned it in. They gave me a bag under the door and they moved me to Orfino. Oh, wow. I never even got to tell my wife. Uh, and now I'll, I'll tell you all about that. Oh my goodness. After no, I mean, we're going to go right straight. We're not taking a break. Okay. We're go right through. So, so there was, um, so when they moved me to Orfino, they stuck me on a bus and I had no idea that I was going uh, up to Orfino. So they put me on this bus. I get up here and then they put me in something called PC, which means protective custody. Mm-hmm. Another good spot for ex-law enforcement. Yeah. You know, so I, they put me in the, the hole first and all I could see out until all I could see out to the, to the windows, these guys walking around and I didn't know how this was going to do, but I could see a small group of guys and two of those guys are going to be the ones on your next mm-hmm. one. Yes. And we could talk about them in just a little bit, but I seen these guys, I didn't know who they were. And I seen these guys having a Bible study mm-hmm. daily. Mm-hmm. So God opened that door. I made it into PC. Mm-hmm. When I was in PC, I was, I was really worried about how PC, how to be in prison. Mm-hmm. And then while I was inside the facility, they, I started praying to the Lord, what else do you have for me? We started Bible study in there. And um, let me tell you some of the God stories. Okay. So wait a minute. We're going to have to wait. 
We're going to have to take a break. Oh, when we come back, we'll talk about God the, stories. the first person that I ever walked up to and asked if I could pray for him. That's right. So, we'll do that. Yep, yep. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Okay, so we're going to hit right into William. All right, you're still in protective custody. I'm still in protective custody. So there's a, there was a guy that my first contact with somebody. So we had a Bible study going, and that's when I got to know Joey and Richie, some people that will be guests on your show. Yes. And I'll let them tell you about their side of the story on that. And then there was a guy that was just drawing on shirts all the time. Yeah, that's all he did. And he's tattooed up, pretty scary looking guy, just like you would see, mm-hmm. you know. And I told my wife on the phone, I says, honey, I says, uh, I believe God wants me to go up and talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. I said, if I don't call you back, I'm, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you what's going to happen because everybody's pretty buff in prison, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So, so here I walked up to the guy and he said he knew who I was and knew that I used to be a cop and that don't make you very popular. And right. I says, you know, I just wanted to ask you if it's okay if I pray for you. And Lord gave me that strength. He says, you know, I've been in prison 20 years and no one's mm. ever asked me that. Wow. And just to fast forward for you, after that happened, I started talking to him and I got Richie over there. Somebody that you'll be talking, that you'll be talking to, got him over there and started a Bible study with this guy. A couple, couple of weeks later, he got a Bible moved in, uh, got a Bible sent in. Wow. And two months later, he was baptized. Oh, Except awesome. the Lord as personal Savior. Mm. And oh, man, glory to God. And just to see that happening, that was happening daily in the prison. Just guys just... Joining the Bible study group. 
Well, while I was in PC, they, they shipped me back down to the court that I was from. And they brought me in front of the judge for something called the Rule 35. And what you're doing is you're asking for leniency. And this is one of the first of the two other times that they asked me. And they told me right there in the open courtroom, had me in there and asked me three times if I would admit they needed to cut my sentence in half or let me out of prison on that spot. Mm-hmm. I stood up. And to be honest with you guys and be honest with the listeners, I almost thought about doing it because mm-hmm. they wave your family in front of you talking about how yeah. you could go home to your family that day. Mm-hmm. If you'll just admit, mm-hmm. and I couldn't admit, so they shackled me back up, sent me back to the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in PC again. So I, wait a minute, why couldn't you admit? Because it's not the right thing to do. God's telling me that he's that you know I knew God had something else for me, and that if I would just get out to better myself for a temporary better myself on this earth, it wouldn't be glorifying Him. Okay. You know, so I knew that what we do is we need to be glorifying God in what we do, and I knew that uh, this was not the right thing to do, even though I stood up. I really wanted to because the mm. counsel that I was getting from other inmates is just, hey, just say you've done it. Yeah. You know, and there's parts of my life, guys, that I actually wish I would have done it. You know, that mm-hmm. when I was struggling there and that when I was alone, just thinking if I would have, I could have admitted that I've done something, seek counsel, apologize to our church, my wife, and we would have moved on with our yeah. day, you know. Then, so when I, so they shipped me back. And while I was gone, I stayed inside of a jail, which is a whole other God story in itself. And they had to put me in with the max because they needed oh. these these uh, these cells for other reasons. Mm-hmm. So they moved me in. God protected me this whole time. And we got a Bible study going on there. And they shipped me. And I was actually gone for three months wow. <laughs> for this. So then when they shipped me back, immediately I started talking to the warden. I told the warden, I said, and the warden, she's a- At she's, Orfino. Yep. Okay. She's a believer. She's um, a wonderful woman. You guys, she's got dog program stuff going on there. She's got services going on there. She's very active in her church. She's a wonderful person if you ever have the opportunity to reach out to her. Anyway, so I asked her if we could, if I could you know, check out and go to GP, and they, they don't really recommend it, but they let mm-hmm. me. Uh, GP- I got to Which work down general population, general population. I got to move into GP in the general population. I got put into the dog program. I was maintenance. I got to work in the, as a chapel and clerk and I was a property clerk as we got to just bond with some of these guys. And I got to talk to them and just the services that we got to do. And so God, just every day, there's a story I could tell you, we could sit here and talk about every day in prison. And I could show you some one way or another that God is in those walls, guys. Let me tell you, if you've been searching for a place in ministry and you don't know where that is and prison has maybe been on your mind, God is there. And mm-hmm. they guys yeah. need you to go in there and talk to them, write letters or reach out to your local pastor and mm-hmm. see what kind of prison ministry is going yeah. on because God is in there. And mm-hmm. there's people that won't be getting out that have asked for forgiveness and they're mm-hmm. saved yep. and they're believers. They're yep. all there's not none of them that you can look in the eyes as you can somebody that you know on the streets that God doesn't love. That's right. You know, so right. every every single one of those guys that are in there. So just, you know, if that's something that's weighing on your heart and God just put me in the right place at the right time for us to be able to start a Bible study called The Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And it grew from about four or five people. To, I talked to somebody last week that it's up to 20, 25 guys right. that come weekly. Good. And I've been approved to start going back in there. I'm going to start going next week. I tried last night, uh, but the religious services were canceled, but that was okay. I got to visit with the staff. And so next week I'll be going in there as a religious volunteer mm-hmm. and becoming part of their mentor program that they ha- have called free to succeed. Free to succeed. Yep. And which is another good yep. program. It is a good program. So all this is just God just wrapped up and just holding his hands. And there's people here on this earth that I can thank 
for mentoring me and helping me out. Uh, David Zimmerman, he's one of the biggest influences in my life when it comes to why I was there. He kept me fed. This man was sending me books and material, and I was just hungry. I was reading, and we were doing Bible studies via email. Mm-hmm. You can email yep. in there. And he was teaching me how to lead services and and how to grow spiritually and how to share the word and what to do in there. So we can, like I said, we can go on and on and just about all the different God stories. That so I have a question. How mm-hmm. long did you serve in prison? I served, it was a little over two years. It was like two years, three months, mm-hmm. because that's another thing. So at the end of my two-year sentence, you go in something <laughs> called the front of a parole board. Yes. There's three people from the community yes. that sit on the parole board for the first parole board I went to. And, and that was another time that I would not admit. They told me if I would admit, they would let me yep. out. Yep. And it didn't happen. So I had to wait to see the five-man board. Yep. So they made me wait six months, which mm-hmm. made three months past my date to see this next board. Right. And when I did see the board, um, they four of them said that they would let me out. And they did let me out, but they said it was going to be tough on me because they didn't want to make a mistake and let someone out that would not admit to something. Right. You know, so, but God had control of the situation the whole time. I had letters of recommendation. Um, you know, I had ex uh, co workers mm-hmm. from sheriff's departments was there, wrote letters on my mm-hmm. behalf. Yep. I had, um, you know, I had my pastor write a letter on my behalf. Mm-hmm. I had people there. So God let me out right at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Perfect His timing time. is perfect, isn't it? It is perfect. God's timing is <laughs> always perfect. He's everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. He's always around. And I'll tell you what, at the right time, let me out right here in Grangeville. I got plugged in with uh, Grangeville Christian Church here. It's been about a year since we mm-hmm. got plugged in here at the church. Uh, like you said on the thing there, I'm acting as a lays ministry assistant. So I'm teaching two classes or I'm facilitating two classes a week. I say I have a Sunday school class. Right. I've kind of took over in the senior ministry uh, from our retired associate pastor. And God, every day, every week and every day I'm calling my friend and telling him just what God is doing in, in Grangeville and what really just awesome about God is why he's here in little Grangeville doing something. Mm -hmm. I hear reports about him doing stuff all over the world. Everywhere you listeners are at, God is doing something, you know? And so are you off the hook? Are you on probation? I'm I'm on parole. Parole. I'm Mm -hmm. on parole until June, 2021. Uh, The probation and parole officers have gotten to know me that God's, God's paid this way. Um, The I'm actually, I've, uh, within a year of being out, I was accepted to go back into the prison, which yep. is kind of unheard of. That's that another is. God. That's mm-hmm. God just just taking control of that situation and allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's just, you know, amazing. And, you know, and a lot of times people have trouble finding work out of prison. And that's one of the sad things about it. But I tell you what, I've had so many job offers in the community. God said, but I made the choice to start a business because I heard that they needed a handyman here in town. Mm-hmm. And that grew from just handyman work up to doing remodels. Mm-hmm. But now I'm toning it back down because God has made it available for me and my wife supporting us to be able to be here at the church yep. all week long. So I praise the Lord for that. It's it's for him. It's it all for him. It is for it's him. It's not for me. And like I was talking on worship yesterday when people were singing and stuff like that, and people are saying, I don't like the way you sing or I don't like, that's okay because it's not for them. That's right. It's for God. Mm-hmm. So the, the big shout out here is to our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. our personal savior. That's and right. uh, while we had just a minute, just to reach out there to the guys, you guys, I don't know where you're at in your personal walk. 
with the Lord. And if you've been able to read the gospel, grab the book of John, sit down That's and right. read John, mm-hmm. you know, then read out, reach out to a pastor or a believer and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior. And let me tell you, watch God work because mm-hmm. it's his handiwork. And it just gives me chills because I love listening to people's stories. Mine may be unique, but it's mine. So I'm kind of used to it. I love hearing every day when people That's tell right. me their walk with the Lord. That's right. And next week we're, we're going to be hearing from Joseph. Yes. Joey Chavez. Love the guy. He's, he found the Lord while he was incarcerated. So he was not a believer, uh, ended up, uh, committing a crime. I'll let you talk about mm-hmm. that stuff. Ended up getting sent to prison, uh, found the Lord while he was in jail. And you want to talk about a human Bible. This guy's memorized scripture. Like you wouldn't believe he's so talented. He does music. He writes his own lyrics and it's all scripturally. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be talking to Richard. That's right. Another great guy, man of God right there. This guy is just paving the way and showing people and he's still upholding and, and doing a ministry in there. Mm-hmm. And he really has a passion for doing ministry. And I think the Lord, wow. I know the Lord has some great things for him. He'll be getting out soon. He'll seize the board in March. In March. Okay. Yeah, he sees the board in March. Okay. So God will. And if it's the right time, God will let him out right at that right time. And he'll be right into to mm-hmm. ministry. So. Okay. Pearl board in March. Okay. Write mm-hmm. myself a note. Um, I better put board. So Rich, I mean, excuse me, Joseph will be on the show next Friday and he is, he's, he's 19 years old. He's serving 30 year sentence for committing second degree murder. He has the possibility of parole in, in 10 years after 10 years, he served eight. Um, November 28th, that's Thanksgiving. We'll be rerunning, um, destruction from a man's hand because of Thanksgiving service. Um, holiday. And then December 6th is Richard. And he grew up with a gang family and he has spent 14 years of his 20 year sentence for conspiracy of drug trafficking. So we, um, we're, we'll be having that again next week's Joey, Joe, Joey, November 28th is the d- domestic violence rerun. And then December 6th is Richard. We appreciate, thank you. And just to let you know, Joey's 27. Oh, he's 27. He went to prison when he was 19. Okay. And he, that's right. But yes, he so he has been eight years. So he, yep. so yep. do the math, Myrna, do the math. No, thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. And thank you, William, for no, being here. You. Praise the Lord. And hopefully Annette will be here next Friday. Yes. Thanks, listeners. I will. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.